Hi, and welcome to the Expansive Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm one half of the Expansive Podcast. I'm a speaker and executive coach. And as always, I'm joined by my ever elegant co-host, currently out of the country, uh, keynote speaker, future strategist, author, Mr. John Sane. John, how are you, brother? I am wonderful. Thank you. Coming in from a very hot and humid Dubai and uh, back in my second hood. And it's really great seeing my friends again and really looking forward to this podcast. And for those who, who can't see the video, uh, John is sitting at uh, his friend's place, but it looks like he has a virtual background up because it's like this uh, wall with uh, climbing greens on it. Like, I don't know which, which, what yeah. would you call it? Living wall? <laughs> what do they call yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it's like a living wall and it's yeah. curved. So it's a bit of both. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So every week we release a new episode about what it means for individuals and organizations to approach the future with an expansive mind. And we would love for you to join us as we challenge the status quo, as we banter about life and really expand our own perception as well of what is possible in this new, unknown, uncertain future. So today we are speaking about thinking big. And uh, I think we, we kind of revisit this topic once a year. So I look forward to it and to see what's been coming up for you with your travels. Uh, but before we get to that, um, I wanted to quickly chat about the study that came out from Microsoft. Obviously, remote work, hybrid work, all of these topics are top of mind for everyone as we try and figure out how do we lead people that we can't see or people that are sometimes in the office and sometimes not. And it's a very tricky thing. You have to be very intentional with it. So uh, a study that Microsoft did recently where they uh, surveyed 61,000 people um, found that communication within remote teams uh, is actually detrimental often to the teams because not only do we communicate in a slower fashion often because I think we just are inundated with messages, but also that you tend to focus only on your direct team. Like you kind of lose the ability to speak to people you meet in the hallway or that's a serendipitous run in with someone that you haven't seen in a while. So your communication becomes in a way very laser focused with the people that you deal with directly all the time. And I think this is a massive, massive, massive challenge for organizations and for teams to figure out. And I actually made a, update, a status update about earlier saying that you have to create an operating system, like a very explicit operating system around how you communicate and how you are going to build a culture in a team like that? Look, I think it's very tough um, to banter on Zoom. I mean, you and yeah. I do it. Um, mm. But with your work colleagues, when you've got deadlines and you've got that sort of stuff and you're on the Zoom to conclude X, Y, and Z, you're not actually on there to banter. And so that natural banter, that engagement with each other when you walk past each other in the hall I don't know how do you how do you actually recreate that online? I, I don't mm. know if you can, to be honest. You know, and I think what you have to do is you have to create other spaces for that. <laughs> but how do you do that in a high pressure position, a high pressure process where you only are measured on numbers and closing and execution and outcomes? And mm. you know what's so funny is that it almost is as if these organisations are all people focused. They've got all the right terminology around being people-focused, but ultimately they're profit-focused. And so how do you go create a gap in your day where it's okay to banter when you're under pressure for numbers? So like, mm. I, I, 
there's a juxtaposition in this space, you know. So, you know, Denmark is one of the happiest countries in the world, apparently. And, and on average, they belong to 3.4 social groups each person. So sure. that's also showing mm. us that there's socializing that's required with more focus and intentionality while we're in this digital world. And so I really hope that we all go out and belong to more social groups so we can get that energy back and forth. But when mm. it comes to work, I find it tough. You know, when I speak to my team, it's like we're talking about stuff. I don't know when we can banter. Maybe once yeah. a week we'll have a how was your weekend or but yeah, it's 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 a tough thing. And I think nobody has the answer right now, but it definitely is a situation that we're all grappling with. You know, I think there's um there's sort of two arguments that pop up for me as you said that. Uh the one is that I think many people would say that you don't need the banter with your team. That like it should just be work stuff and like that's good enough, you know. Um so I can hear that as being part of an argument. It's like, well, we don't need to create additional spaces because it's about getting the work done. So as long as that gets done, we don't have to worry about the um, engagement on the periphery. And the second paradox actually is that in a way, remote work enables you to be a part of those 3.2 social groups. But at the same time, it doesn't because it seems like remote workers work longer hours. Hmm. Mm. from what we've seen from the data yeah. so so that's quite interesting and you know we said this from the start is that initially everyone had a knee-jerk reaction to a remote or a hybrid team like we had yeah. to just do it but what you set up in that time how you constructed your team is very different from how you intentionally create a team that in the long run thrives as a remote team and every single mode of working, remote, hybrid, uh, in-person, all of them have their own downsides. So you have to decide which downsides you are happy to contend with and then go about building, you know, accept your trade-offs and then go and build your, your team the way that you want to build it. Yeah. Look, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a, it's a gray area. You know, I worked with FMB during the, the week and uh, they were talking about the lady who was introducing me was talking about how it's time to come back to the office. And it's a gray area. You know, I think some, I, I agree. There needs to mm. be that effervescence and engagement, but people don't like people are upset that they have to go through that travel again and that sort of thing. So I still think that we haven't finished and found the solution yet. I think nobody has a solution. Some people want people to go back and some people are upset about it and people are resigning because of it. So I still think we're very much in the middle of trying to find the thing that suits you. But ultimately, here's my suggestion. We've arrived at the era of forced entrepreneurship. This is the time where you are the captain of your ship more than ever before. And you're able to set up global businesses from the comfort of your office at home. And if you think about the world in an internet global way, and you can understand how you can add value on a global way. And I've said this in many talks. There's 5 billion people on the internet. Soon there'll be 7.5 billion people on the internet. All you have to do is get 0.000001% of those people to give you $2 a month. And you are living large. So the idea that you have to be stuck in and you're a prisoner of those systems, those structures and going to work, is your own mindset that's keeping you mm. stuck there. You don't, that's, that's a forced process, you know? I'm not telling anybody to leave corporates. I'm just saying there's other options in today's world and you need to just yeah. explore them. Mm. Yeah, you could be an entrepreneur. Um, yes, of course. So just before we quickly get into the, the topic, I, I saw a video this morning um, about this whole returning to the office 
and it's mm. this little girl that's walking with her dad and she's taking him to the office. Like, just, <laughs> like this little toddler, right? <laughs> she's taking yeah, him yeah, to the yeah. office. And then they yeah. get to the office and the lady opens the door and she says, the little girl says to the dad, um, say hi to the missus. So he says hi. And then she says, uh, he's very nervous today. And the woman says, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm also nervous, but come in. We're going to, we're going to have a great day. We are going to draw some spreadsheets. We're going to go into meetings and discuss uh, quarterly results. Brilliant. And then, then he, she leads him in and then cut. And later you see like all the toddlers are busy outside waiting and they're waiting for, the <laughs> for their parents, parents to come out. <laughs> and then his dad comes out. And he hands her a piece of paper and she's like, wow, did you draw that? And he's like, yeah, oh, those wow. are my meeting notes from today. Wow. And then, then they start walking home. That's brilliant. <laughs> that brilliant. That's a total reversal <laughs> of roles. That's excellent. Eh? Yeah. That's Dude, so cool. Talk to us about thinking big. Why are we talking yeah, about this Yeah, you know, yeah. Look, I, you know what the thing is, is I've been in Cape Town for the last sort of year and a, year and a bit. Um, actually, uh, July, I moved to Cape Town last year. I was in my parents' farm for the first sort of six months of lockdown. And then July in Cape Town, now it's September, right? So I've been in Cape Town for a year and a bit. Now, Cape Town's awesome, right? It's beautiful and there's nothing wrong with it uh, in as far as beauty and exposure to nature and wineland, all those beautiful things. But what dawned on me is that how quickly I got caught up in thinking regionally and small. Mm. And you just become a product of your environment without you even realizing you become a product of your environment. And you, this can only become an awareness when you get away from your environment. Now, we've all been forced to not travel. And so when I got onto that plane to go to Riga and to Lithuania, to Vilnius to do the talks, I started, it felt like I was breathing again. It, I, I didn't realize that I wasn't breathing. I was, also, I was, I was almost static in a way. Mm. I, was, I was having dinner with a friend of mine, Jasmine, and she was saying to me that in the Rudolf Steiner schooling system, you know, the Waldorf Steiner uh, system, they have breathe in and breathe out sessions. And what happens is when you breathe in, you're like doing something concentrating. When you breathe out, you're doing cooking. So you always have a subject that breathes in and then breathe out and then breathes in and then breathes out. So you continuously doing something that takes information in and then you're putting energy out. And I think what COVID-19 has done is got us to all breathe in. And this travel just got me to breathe out. And it's the first time since COVID that I'm breathing out again. And this is 18 months of mm. breathing in, of like almost holding your breath, right? So the first thing that started dawning on me as I started arriving in Italy and in Dubai, um, where really the holiday began and the sort of networking that my network lives in. I mean, I didn't know anybody in Vilnius. I mean, I know Kera to a friend of mine, but besides that, I don't really know anybody there. So I didn't know what was going on in the mix. But in Italy and in Dubai, I started to realize how globally everybody thinks. And I've mm. forgotten that we don't think globally. We're so far away from the world in South Africa that we just get stuck in that way of thinking. And so on the plane, I watched the Sir Alex Ferguson documentary. And just before I left on the trip, I watched the Cristiano Ronaldo documentary that has gone back to Man United. And a few months ago, I watched the Rassi Erasmus Springbok documentary. Mm, and what started getting... Chasing the Sun. And what started... And, and it was the Alex Ferguson documentary that really got me thinking. Because... What he said was he became a manager of a team called Aberdeen in England, in Scotland. And Aberdeen was never, they never did well, ever. They were like a mid-table at best. And they played Rangers and Celtics. Those are the two big teams in Scotland and still are. And Aberdeen drew 
against one of them. I don't know, Celtics or Rangers. And they were celebrating. And Alex Ferguson said, what? What are you celebrating? They're like, no, we drew with one of the big teams. And he was like, that's not a point of celebration. That's like, you should be not not upset, but you shouldn't definitely be celebrating from a draw. Mm. And so what he did was, and it took him a few seasons to get them to think that they can win a cup. And that was it. He was like, when I can get you to think that you can win, you're going to win. And Aberdeen went on to win the Champions League, but they beat Bayern Munich, they beat Barcelona. I mean, like, ridiculous. Aberdeen, some little town in Scotland, not even a big city. And they went on because they believed. Now, that was the, that was like a, such an aha moment. Now, let me just explain. Alex Ferguson and Cristiano Ronaldo were my antithesis, like they were my enemies when I was growing up in my, in my early 30s and 20s because I was a Liverpool fan and Throughout my career as a Liverpool fan, Man U dribbed us every step of the way. And all my friends were Man U fans and I was a Liverpool fan. And so I continuously got lip because of it. And it was in 2010, after the World Cup in South Africa, that I decided that no more will I allow 11 men 10,000 kilometers away to ridicule me in front of my friends and to make me <laughs> upset in my mood because if they lost, my whole weekend would be ruined, right? So I stopped supporting football because of Alex Ferguson. Now, <laughs> 12 years later, I am such a fan of his. Like, I am like deeply respect him, you know, and not only because of the coaching process, but the type of husband he has and the type of father he is and the way he was a father to all those players and the way he understood how to deal with those players was just, it was just it was all inspiring. Mm. And then when you think about Ronaldo and how he's gone back and at 36, he's still on top of his game and just the mindset around what he's capable of and what he can do. And then last example, Rassi Erasmus. What a character. If you, if anybody listening to this internationally doesn't know Rassi Erasmus, he's a superhero in South Africa. He got the World Cup for South Africa uh, 20, when was it? 28, 2019. I don't know, one of these recently. Mm, mm. And if you watch the documentary, it's funny, you know, because everything is about we need to believe we're going to win. Our fans need to believe that we're going to win. The opposition needs to believe we're going to win. The fans of the opposition need to believe we're going to win. Mm. And that was his ideology going into the World Cup because just before the World Cup, they'd beaten New Zealand twice in New Zealand, which was unheard of. This never happens, right? But he said what happened there is that New Zealand realized that we're going to beat them in the World Cup. They they accepted it. And it was almost like everybody that comes up against Man U back then almost thought we've lost already before we even arrived. So if you combine all of these and then you take the the idea of lockdown, especially us that have been in South Africa, especially for me that I was traveling a lot before that, it dawned on me that very quickly, within 18 months, my projection, expectation, intention, dreams have shrunk. And it was such an aha moment for me to have come to that awareness as I was in the taxi going to the Abu Dhabi government to work with their education department, coming off a stage from Riga and Vilnez with the co-founder of Netflix and the inventor of Siri, listening to their stories and listening to what they've achieved and then thinking to myself, what happened to my set of goals? What happened to my level of thinking? And even now talking about it, I am flabbergasted how quickly my environment changed, 
my ideas of what my potential is. And so I think this is a major topic that we all need to revisit as often as possible to recalibrate and to re-ascertain who we are, what we are, what our potential is. And in fact, if we feel that environment we're in is holding us back, change the environment Mm. because the environment makes so much difference. So much difference. Yeah, listen, all of that is is very well said. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, we had a uh, voice notes from someone in Durban and we were like jokingly saying, move out of Durban. And, yes. And actually, it's it's not that jokingly at all, if you think about it and you take into account what you've just kind of went through. And I totally understand that. And I mean, we had this conversation actually multiple times that during COVID, the, you, you were mourning that future because I think yeah. pre, pre-COVID, there was there were bigger dreams, yeah. And then when you are confined to a room, it's like your mm. ambitions shrink to the size of that room. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're so right. Yeah. So, and I was saying to you, you know, as we were kind of discussing this in the layup to the uh, to the episode today, that I think your environment obviously creates the experience for you of what is possible. And without that experience, you know, we, we had some like phenomenal year last year. We were able to speak for many international events. Um, mm. we were just yesterday sort of mini celebrating the year, one year anniversary of speaking for Young Presence Organization in New York. Uh, that popped up on the timeline as a reminder. Yeah. And like, I mean, that was phenomenal. But what I was saying to you is that whether you're speaking for YPO in New York or whether you're speaking for a local company in Joburg, it feels the same sitting in your room yes. it's the same it's people on your screen it's your webcam in front of you it's your mic to the side it the experience is the same whereas mm. if you flew out to new york to go and speak to them in person like mm. that experience catalyzes you thinking mm. well this is possible and if this is mm. possible more is possible of course and so yeah i'm totally with you that i think one of the first things that we need to do if we are feeling stuck and we want to dream bigger is that you need to change your environment straight away. And perhaps for some people, it's not possible to go travel, but I think there's also different ways in which you can do that. Like if your life consists of the same Woolies and the same coffee shops and the same restaurants and the same gym that you go to, then a small change in your environment, like going to a different coffee shop, maybe a bit further, maybe one that's a bit more inspirational, maybe one that's frequented more by like high flyers or whatever the case may be, maybe that kind of, starts exposing you to different possibilities and opportunities. So there's always ways to tweak your environment without going full-blown like hand grenade on it. Uh, look, I, I agree with everything you're saying. And I think the thing here is, is that when you decide how big you want to be, and now let's think about gyms or spas or your career. If you're working at uh, Accenture, EUI, uh, you, you've got a small accounting firm, whatever, like, in any of these aspects, you're able to service your community, the poor people in your community or the rich people in your community, your country, the rich people or the poor people, the Southern Hemisphere, the Northern Hemisphere, the globe. That's mm. your choice. And when you decide on that, then everything starts to change because the decisions you make start to change. So do I come back to Dubai in Jan? Absolutely. Why? Because it doesn't fit with my intentionality to live in Cape Town. If I mm. wanted to 
if I had a family and I had kids and I wanted them to grow up in a good school and I wanted them to be around nature, yes, Cape Town makes sense. But as a single guy, why would I want to be limiting myself with the ability to expand? So I think it's also important that you realize when you set that target that everything starts to change because of that target. And because yeah. of that target, your focus points start to shift, you know? Just last night, um, no, two nights ago, very good friends of mine are in the fitness industry. And so I have dinner with him and he says to me, you know what I'm doing tonight at one o'clock in the morning? I'm like, what? He says, I'm speaking to The Rock's manager, The Rock. The Rock. I'm like, what for? Sure. He says, we've set up this business where you buy equipment and then you can get to an app. You can do a workout with The Rock. And so you're buying equipment and working out with The Rock. I'm like, are you joking? Like, mm. we would do that from like, it's so far from our regional space in, in South Africa that that just seems too far out, you know? But in Dubai, it seems obvious. And then you go to LA and it seems super obvious because Rock walks past you every four minutes because he lives mm. around the corner, right? So environment is such a massive, massive um, catalyst into what we believe in ourselves, what we think our potential is. And, you know, they say, hang around with the five people you want to be most like or that, that sort of thing. But extend that to your city and extend mm. that to your, to your country and, and whatever country you're in. The potentiality of who you think you are and what you're about always is affected by that, by that community that you're in. So, yeah, it's just, it's a big thing that I've just come to realize that how quickly you can get sidetracked and how quickly you, your dreams can shrink. And I love mm. what you said. You know, your dreams have been the size of the room that you're in. <laughs> yeah. Because like, what else, like, what other options did you have, mm. you know, because of COVID? So yeah, yeah so it's, it's been a total rejig. Yeah. It's literally, it's felt like that for me. And I was, um, I was speaking to my coach a while ago and it was actually, it was a very difficult session for me because we were speaking about like your vision for the future. And this is something that I've always had quite a clear grasp on. Mm. And it felt to me for a while that I didn't really anymore because what was it going to be? Just like more Zoom sessions. Like it, that's not an inspiring, like inspiring mm. vision for the future. Mm. And she made me do this exercise where you, you stand up and you are looking forward and where you are is your presence. So you describe what your present is all about, but mm. you then look to the future and you're like, well, if I look into the future, what I really want. And so part of what mine was, was to be on stage for Microsoft in the U S speaking to 2000 of their employees at a conference, but right? like, mm. that's something that I, I really aspire to be on one of the biggest stages in the world. And mm. you look at that and you, you kind of, think your way into it. It's like, what does it feel like? Like, what does my day look like? You know, you wake up in the hotel, you get dressed up in your three-piece suit. It feels amazing. The driver comes to fetch you. You head out to the, uh, to the event. You get mic'd up. You do your test run. You get on stage. The energy of 2,000 people in the audience. Like, you just you really live into it. And then mm. you actually walk to that future and you go and stand in the future. Mm. And you, like, you just experience it. And then after a bit of time, you turn around and you look back and you then say, well, what happened in my life that led me to this point? Mm. And it was such a great exercise to go through. And it completely got me out of the room and into the world again. Yeah. Um, so that's one way of doing it. But I think ultimately, like, you know, I, I didn't go to Volnais, but I did go to Nelstrom uh, to go and do a facilitation there. <laughs> And it was great <laughs> being out in the bushveld again and yeah. uh, the fresh air and people. And I agree, like, once you do that, like, it just, it opens up 
the world to you again. So mm. how did how did this experience recalibrate how you are thinking at the, at the moment about what you want to do next? You know, it's so funny because I don't really have, I, I like how you just described that, you know, feeling that into the room and that's awesome. I, I don't have, I don't have clarity on what it looks like. I just know that I need to change my environment. Mm. And I know from just changing my environment, the conversations I start having, like I'm having breakfast with a guy yesterday that put a production together to film. Who's that French DJ? David, like he's world famous. He's done, he's done co collaborations Greta. with Greta. That's it. What's his name? David Guetta. Right. Yes. Guetta. Yeah. David Guetta. Yeah. So. He did a, he did a, he filmed him doing a set on top of the, the helicopter landing of the Burj Al Arab. You know, that little piece, they put a tennis mm. court up there, helicopters, right? So he filmed him, the whole production of him playing a DJ set up there, meeting David Guetta, working yeah. with that team. It's like, yeah. I'm making breakfast with him. So it's like, that's the exposure. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I just know by being here, the exposure is larger. And for me, that environment shift will allow itself to lead into other things. Mm. And so really just choose, look, I've got the privilege and the, 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 the ability to do this. And I know everybody doesn't, you know, you, we're all in different scenarios, but understand that, like you said, same input, same output. And this trip has just changed my input, which has totally changed why and how I want to go about doing this. Mm. I just, you know, there are so many ways to do that. And I don't, people need to, to kind of sit back and assess what is the best way for you to change your own environment. And like we've said, there's, there are multiple ways, like ultimately dropping a grenade, traveling, getting completely out of the city that you are in, moving to a new place. Like that's the, I think Marnus is like, so, uh, Marnus, um, a friend of Barcelona ours, moved mm. to Barcelona and I haven't spoken ah. to him since, but I can see how it's changing yeah. his thinking when you just yeah. watch him on social media. Why? Yeah. Because like you are exposed to different things. Yeah. And so the challenge I think really then, or the call to action coming out of this podcast is which part of your environment can you change? Is it mm. where you work perhaps? Is it the people that you hang around with? Is it where you go to gym? Is it the coffee shop that mm. you go to? Um, mm. I once had a, a friend that the first of every month they would go work in a fancy hotel just to mm. be in that environment. Like that would be mm. part of their ritual, you know? Um, so I think, I think that's something to really contemplate is like, which part of your environment can you change? And then uh, we didn't really talk about the belief part in all of this. Well, look, I think the thing is, is again, uh, it was becoming clear with where you want to achieve and then everything starts to change again. Right. Mm. And I think that's one way of doing it. You are talking about the, having a layered step towards it. And so that layered step is also a way of doing it, believing into it like you did into the stage of Microsoft. That's also another. There's many ways to skin mm. this cat. It just depends how you want to go about it. But the only thing is, is become aware that your environment is creating your potential. And that the fact that me traveling right now has just changed my idea of what I can achieve and when I can achieve it, you know? Yeah, listen, uh, I think what a great topic. And thank you for raising it for us today. Um, as always, thank you for turning into the expansive podcast. Um, if you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend or share it with your team. Uh, if you really enjoyed it, then head over to the iTunes store to leave us a review. Uh, we always love receiving new reviews and a very quick reminder that there are two ways in which you can enrich your expansive experience. The first is to either book John or myself 
to speak at your event. Uh, we also do combined learning experiences like we did for the Young Presidents organization. And the second is to find us on our social media channels, on Instagram, on Facebook, we are on LinkedIn, and we would love to connect with you there as well. So that is it from us for this week. John, any closing thoughts there? Yeah, look, it's uh, always an uncomfortable topic to talk about uh, changing inputs. Your brain doesn't like it. Your brain likes uh, no new jagged edges of ideas. Uh, so yeah, don't, don't expect it to be an easy process, but a very fun process in the long run. Thank you for joining us again. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please do share it with a friend, as Eric mentioned. And please do look after yourself. And once you've done that, go look after somebody else and preferably a doggy. Ciao. That's it. Goodbye. <laughs>